Who wants to tell you, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine, the new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey everybody, welcome back to Java Chat. This is Coffee with Mike, and I get to hang out with the Randy Gage today, uh, the gentleman that has been doing a lot within, within the realm of, I would say, self-development. Uh, if, you, if you've not seen who Randy is, <clears throat> who Randy is, goodness gracious, you can stop by randygage.com uh, and check him out for sure. Randy, thank you for joining us today here on Java Chat. Yeah, great to be on with you. Awesome, awesome. A lot of my listeners are fairly new, uh, although they are business professionals, business entrepreneurs, um, people that are out there looking for, you know, answers. Um, why don't you give us a little idea of what who Randy Gage is, where you're from, what you've been doing, what are you up to? I guess at my essence, I would say I'm a writer since I'm happiest when I'm hunched over my lonely and my laptop in my lonely writer's garret <laughs> but i'm definitely an entrepreneur and have been my whole life so i'm usually i i started writing books and speaking about entrepreneurial stuff initially marketing then kind of broaden it out to entrepreneurial stuff and really the last 20, 25 years, I've kind of laser focused in on prosperity, the principles of prosperity. How do you apply them to manifest them in your life? And so that's what led me to the, the category you put me in, which is self-development and personal growth. That would definitely be where I hang out. Awesome. You said you started in entrepreneur. You've been an entrepreneur for years. What did that look like? I mean, did you, were you like selling comics as a kid or how did that, how did that happen? Oh, I believe me. I raked leaves, shovels, snow, babysat, delivered <laughs> newspapers. Awesome. Graduated to selling dope and drugs. <laughs> nice. Good job. Good job. Yeah. There was a progression. There was definitely a progression. <laughs> And worked my way through that. I was actually in jail for armed robbery and burglary at 15 Goodness. years old. So I obviously made some poor choices in my early years, but mm. those were all learning growth experiences that still serve me to this day. But yeah, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always been a hustler. I don't sit around and wait for things to happen for me. So not focusing on the part of what did happen, but more on the point of what moved you out of that and what moved you forward, so to speak, into better, so I guess better waters, if you want to call it that. Well, I may be a slow learner, but ultimately, Who isn't? I, <laughs> ultimately I am a learner, right? So you're sitting in jail for a few months waiting for a court date for robbery and burglary, you say, well, you know, maybe this is not really a great career path. Uh, and you kind of learn from that. You have 11 negative dysfunctional relationships in a row. You say, oh. you know, maybe I don't want to do 12. Maybe, maybe there's something 
maybe I have just a microcosm of something to do with these 11 <laughs> negative outcomes. Just a in a wee row, little, you know? just a wee you little know, piece maybe of it. It isn't all them, you know, because <laughs> I did all the research. Okay, where were they from? How old were they? What were the date of the birth? What is the common thread that runs through all these negative dysfunctional people that I've had these relationships with. And, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, when you do that kind of research, the only clue that comes to the surface is, well, th there is one common denominator in all those situations. And obviously that was me. So uh, stuff like that cause, if you're open to it, cause you know, let's face it, there's That's... people who eat that kind of crap their whole lives. And yeah. They're professional mm -hmm. victims. In my case, I was a professional victim for the first 30 years or so of my life. And then I realized, okay, I can be a victim. I could be a victor, but I can't do both. I'm going to have to choose which one of those I want to, to be for the rest of my life. And I chose to be a victor. From the victory path. Um, I'm assuming that was still somewhere around the age of 15 when that was figured out. Um, how long did it take as you did? I, I, I wouldn't say I figured it out at 15, but I, I started to move in that direction anyway. I don't think I figured it out till I was 30, really. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, not quite exactly what you did, but same, same idea. I think it... I think half the time it's just a matter of whether or not, like you said, are we really open? Are we really um, open-minded, open-eyed? Um, and I think a lot of times when we're in our youth, we have this tendency to believe that uh, it's the outside world that's the problem. So yeah. that's interesting. And then you've written a strand of books, something like 14 of them or something like that? Or? Number 14 coming out January 12th, 2021. Wow. You really are happy when you write. I am. I am. That's a good thing. What's, what's your, I mean, how did you get into book writing? I mean, what was the first one you wrote? I was in direct selling uh, and I started doing training for my <clears throat> team and then other people and then other companies asked me to train their people. Mm -hmm. And I kind of fell backwards into being a professional speaker. Nice. And training workshops. Right, right, right. And then everybody's like, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. You know, don't, haven't you written a book? Do you have a book of all your stuff put together? So I think it was 1991. I wrote my first book on, on direct selling. Uh, and that did really well. That sold a couple million copies all over the world, translated nice. into a bunch of about 18 different languages, I think. Uh, and that, so that's what got me into writing books. And then as <clears> my... Same thing, I actually went back and wrote a new be-all, end-all book for that space last year called Direct Selling Success. Mm -hmm. From Instead of from A to Z, I put it from Amway to Zombies. <laughs> so, uh, and that's, I can see that's, that one. <laughs> that one's doing really well. Mm -hmm. uh, that's out in a bunch of languages, has become a bestseller in, in at least 10 different languages. Nice. Uh, but uh, so I wanted to like, okay, because I, I was going to like do another edition of that first book. And I thought the world has changed so much now. We're so much more into e-commerce, mm -hmm. mobile phones, mm -hmm. you know, social media marketing. Uh, it'd just be better if I 
created a, started with a blank canvas and created a new book from scratch, which is what I did with that. And so I wanted to do that so I could uh, leave something in that space that was still relevant and workable and replace what I felt had, you know, been become out of date in the original book. And then I wanted to get back to my self-development roots. And so this book I have coming out on the 12th is called Radical Rebirth. And it's, I think, the culmination of all my work up to this point, because it's, it's how to kill off the old you and create a newer, higher version, a better version of yourself. And um, so that's really my, you know, I'm lit to do that. That's the kind of writing I like to do. That's the kind of speaking I like to do. That's the kind of coaching I like to do because it's, it's a universal pursuit that I think all people of consciousness share, which is, yeah, I would, there are things about me I don't like, and I don't have to beat myself up and destroy my self-esteem, I can be mindful about this and look at, okay, what are the things I'm doing in my life that are working for me and I want to continue? What are the things I'm doing that aren't working for me and I want to eliminate? And how do I get to that highest possible version of myself? And so the book, the Radical Rebirth book, that's really a, a roadmap for how to do that. Uh, and that's the kind of work that I'm doing these days you've done this over the co course of how many years so far oh almost 40 it's not including the first 30 right <laughs> now, yeah. i so you know i think 91 was when i started speaking and writing uh but i you know as an entrepreneur i was starting probably in my 20s was when i was first opening businesses sure. So I'm and 61 now. So the I was gonna say you look great for 90, dude. You're, you're doing the, really good. The uh, you know the horizon in front of me is closer than the horizon behind me. So exactly. you kind of evaluate your priorities in life, and as you get to that stage. And you, so how many businesses do you think you've started over your time as as an entrepreneur? Uh, probably 15, something like that. It's an interesting, it's interesting to note because I've, I've had other entrepreneurs that that seems to be about the average number, somewhere between 10 to 15 businesses. Yeah. And, and by the time they get to the last, like between 10 to 10 to number 10 to number 15, it's like, they've actually gotten into the, not, not the, not cruise mode, but a, a, a mode where they, they they're pretty comfortable with how it's rolling. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Because to me, I don't work to work. I've been, I've made a lot of money. I've been smart with money. Uh, and I don't have to worry about my next meal at Burger King. I'm exactly. okay in that manner, right? I got the exactly. money thing out of the way. So for me, the work is about finding projects that excite me, businesses that excite me and produce that I can become profitable with and use that money to grow my wealth. My, my, you know, I have a very conscious program for wealth building and I want to wake up every morning wealthier than I was the night I went to the night before when I went to sleep. So that means I've got to employ the concept of leverage. 
uh, and I've got to, you know, I've got to, is, so I look for businesses and work where I can uh, practice leverage and escape trading hours for money because it's really hard to become wealthy when you trade hours for money, although it can be done. You know, you could work as an Uber driver and if you take a portion of that earnings as an Uber driver and you invest it in ways that leverage your money, then you can still become, everybody can, I believe anybody can become wealthy. Uh, anybody who's interested in that, if they look on my blog, uh, I wrote a post called beat your burn rate, right? Which is how we think of it in the business world, right? We say, okay, what's your burn rate? How much you spend in every month? What's your runway? When you're going to run out of money? So I just kind of took those principles and applied them to personal finance. Everybody listening to this, you've got a burn rate. How much is your car payment? How much is your rent or your mortgage? What do you need for groceries? What do you need for the dry cleaning and the, you know, Netflix and whatever your burn rate is, what is it? And now have you found a way to make more money than your burn rate? And then are you taking that money and investing it in ways that allow your wealth to grow? So if something does happen, let's suppose for some crazy reason, there was a worldwide pandemic and oh, there was quarantines and oh, lockdowns, <laughs> you know, what would you do? Well, if you've been smart and you've practiced leverage, then you say, okay, I, I can weather that. I've done things that will allow my wealth to continue to grow, even though I can't trade hours for money any longer, right? Because if you work for Disney World or you work for Delta Airlines or you work for a retail shop or a movie theater, you didn't have a job to go to, right? And there's people out there right now still who are really facing challenges because of the lockdowns and the, the economic fallout from all of this, right? Um, so you wanna say, how do I put myself in a position that I can survive through things like that, still grow my prosperity? And for me, it's about being able to do my work. I wanna keep writing books. I wanna keep teaching on prosperity. So it's, I, to me, it's about, okay, I, I have to get the money thing out of the way. So great, I write a book, it sells a lot of copies, it gets translated in a lot of languages, it's leverage because I don't have to rewrite the book for every person who, who wants to read it. It's pretty complete as it is, it sounds, it sounds really good. I, by the way, every time I take a look to my right, I'm, I'm writing notes just because we're, we're going to make sure that these things that you mentioned, the links are going to be in the description and the comments on the bottom. We want to make sure everybody gets to, to see what it is that we're talking about. Um, that's both for the YouTube and for the, um, the podcast. So in case any of you are wondering, oh, is there links? Yes, there'll be links on the, on the bottom. Um, between the age of 30 to, to 61, you've written all of these books. You start all of these businesses. What's the most memorable one out of everything that you've done? Either, either book or business. What's the one that brings you the, the, the biggest warm fuzzy that you can think of? I think it was becoming a professional speaker. Uh, that's taken me to, I've now done speeches in 51 or 52 different countries. Um, spoke to more than 2 million people. Uh, so I've just seen so many different cultures and languages and uh, beautiful people, spectacular places. 
And, you know, I go to places where I go to, uh, to Kiev, Ukraine, and people take a train for 40 hours to come to my program. Whoa. Uh, you know, I'll do something in, in, uh, Ljubljana, in Ljubljana, Slovenia. Uh, or Croatia, Zagreb, Croatia. And again, people will sleep in their car. They'll travel four days. They're so passionate for the chance of free enterprise that here in the States, we just take so much for granted. You know, it's just, we don't even think about it. But yet when you, you know, I, I remember when I first went, it was back in the 90s, I started doing a lot of work in, in that part of, Central Europe, and I was going to Skopje, Macedonia, and there was uh, I was doing meetings at this uh, particular hotel, the big best hotel in Skopje, which was just a slum. Okay, oh. I mean a slum, uh, but it was what they would call a five-star hotel. It was the best hotel in the country. Wow! And there was a guy who uh, worked at the gate, and he when a car would drive up to the driveway, he would pick up the chain off the hook and lower it to the driveway and the car would drive through and then he would put the chain back there. He never looked at the car. He never looked at the driver. He didn't get an ID. He didn't check a license. It was just a socialist, communist kind of job that yeah. he was obviously somebody's brother-in-law and they gave him that job because they had been under Tito and socialism or, you know, their blend of socialism slash capitalism for, you know, decades. And that's just how it was. So then here I am, the, the gringo American coming there to teach the principles of free enterprise uh -huh. and the passion and intensity that people have to, to experience that, that, that was just mind blowing for me to see. And, you know, I remember going to, uh, Indonesia and Malaysia, when, you know, when we had uh, invaded uh, Iraq yeah. the second time around and everybody said, the Muslims want to kill us all and the Muslims want to blow up the world and they want to enslave Christianity. And there was all this hate talking. And then meanwhile, I have got a program in Indonesia, which has more Muslims than any country on earth. Right. And they were so gracious and beautiful and welcoming. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. When I'm home in the U.S., I, it's nonstop. The media are telling me how all these people hate us and want to kill us. And here I am with these people, and they're just like me. And they're loving, caring, you know. So that's what the, the, the speaking profession did for me is it really... You know, I was a guy who never had a passport as a kid, right? I probably when I was 20, I finally got one. You know, I hadn't traveled a lot. I hadn't seen the world. And so when you get out and you uh, meet other, you know, that's why I live in Miami still today. Because Miami is the safest, cleanest city in South America. You know, it's what I like to joke. Uh, and I, you know, I know I can go to a sidewalk cafe and I'm going to hear five different languages around me. And That's I pretty love crazy, that. isn't it? That's yeah. Awesome. It's, uh, other people like, oh my God, they're in America. Why don't they speak English? Me, I'm the opposite. I love hearing that. 
I love going to Paris and in a cafe and hearing that. And I love going to London and hearing the melange and seeing the melange of people. So um, travel is such a wonderful prosperity expanding experience, I think. I, I would tend to agree with that a lot <clears throat> only because again, I also come from a culture that has its own language um, being Hawaiian. I don't speak it anymore, but <clears throat> I still like hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. language. It is. Um, and then of course there's all my friends, the Samoans, the Tongans, the, the Tahitians, you know, and, and the, Ma the Ma Maori. <clears throat> there's a lot of different th th things that can, I think that's a different type of wealth that we're discussing. It's not just, just yeah. about uh, money. <clears throat> it's about life. It's a slightly yeah, different. That whole Maori culture in New Zealand and places like that, really, really amazing. Amazing. Yeah. They're an amazing people. They, they're probably some of the warmest that you'll meet, so long as you don't get on the wrong side, side of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... We're going to take a quick 30-second break, and we'll be right back. Guys, when we do, we're going to start talking a little bit more about um, some, some of the things that I found. Normally, we talk about inspirations, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that as we go through this with Randy. But he, he did a couple of blog posts, and I want to go digging into some of this. So we're going to take a short 30 seconds, and we'll, we'll be right back. And we're back here at Java Chat here with Randy Gage, and we were just kind of talking about the history and Randy and he actually got into a couple of things that got real close to what I wanted to start talking about. Everybody knows that the second section is pretty much what, what motivates and what moves our guests to get up in the morning. Um, I think Randy kind of touched a little bit on it. And I, I of course definitely want to get into that some more. Randy, as much as you're a, a writer, who are some of the people that have inspired you in the past? And what are some of the books that you think have been influential in what you've done? Yeah, the most influential, impactful book uh, in my life has been Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand uh, for reasons people may expect or may not expect. But in my case, it was the first time, and it shocks people because, of course, it's a work of fiction. It's a novel. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but it was the first time in my life I was exposed to the concept of living by a congruent philosophy and that rocked my world and that really liberated me and, and made me mindful about living in congruence with that and what what would my philosophy be and so a lot of my work over the last years have been kind of influenced by that in a sense like a you know I wrote a blog recently about the seven philosophies, the main areas of our lives that we develop a philosophy on, right? Like money and material success, you get a philosophy on that, right? You On health, you get a philosophy. You get relationships, you have a philosophy for them. And for most people, it, it happens because of the programming and the input they receive. It isn't something they mindfully think about. So right. I'm that's kind of what my work is about. I'm the guy who grabs you by the lapels and gets in your grill a little and says, hey, you know, think about this. You know, did you, are, are you just, are you, you know, are you a dentist because your father was a dentist and your grandfather was a dentist and your great-grandfather was a dentist? Or are you a dentist because you really wanted to be a dentist? Did you ever really think about that? 
You know, are you a Republican because your parents were Republican? Or are you a Republican because your parents were Democrats? You know, are you, did, did you mindfully come to this or did you just get reacted into it? And so I think, uh, so that book was really inspirational, Prosperity by Charles Fillmore, uh, The Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes, uh, those uh, As a Man Thinketh, uh, James Allen, those books would have been, uh, are, are, were really impactful and inspirational to me. Anybody in anybody in that realm that you ever got a chance to actually sit down with and 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 talk to, or anybody that was a mentor that meant something like that to you? Well, I was fortunate and blessed in many ways to uh, have been adopted by Bill Gove, who was the first president of the National Speakers Association. Nice. So he was like my surrogate grandfather. Uh, I was blessed and enough to to meet and spend time with Jim Rohn, Zig oh. Ziglar, Og Mandino. So wow. you know, cross paths with those guys on wow. stages and conventions, and um, so I, so like knowing Og Mandino was really a gift because Og was you know they, they all were gracious in their own way. I remember you know Zig and I were doing a program for a cosmetic company in Dallas and so we were doing the stage check and you know so he was telling the so they had their their corporate photographer there and and he was like hey I, I want to get a picture with Randy would you get a picture of me with Randy and I know he's just being gracious saying well I bet Randy would like a picture of me maybe he doesn't he's afraid to ask or he doesn't want to impose so he was this that kind of way um, but Ogmandino especially because he was he was just exactly who you would want him to be if you had read his books. You just the kind of gentle, beautiful soul that you would expect would write those kind of books. That's that's who Og was. I always wonder about that too, you know, because you, you read some some of those books and you go, Is this guy for real? Is this is this a real thing? Is this a real person? Yeah, and people, and the other, you know, the danger of that is like Ayn Rand, right? People just trash her book and, and attack her relentlessly yeah. um, because she was, <laughs> you know, an imperfect human being. Yeah. And, you know, that's why religions work is because the founders are all dead. So we can't say, oh, well, geez, I didn't know Jesus left wet towels on the floor or, you know, I didn't know uh, Gandhi talked, you know, chewed with his mouth open or, you know, whatever. We, we can have this hero worship and this God worship with people we don't know, whereas Ayn was alive and, you know, people could, you know, and it and was a public enough figure that people could find her flaws and demonize her for that. And there's, you know, you still see that today. You see it oh, yeah. with the cancel culture, which is just going rampant in our society right now. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, I can look at someone who did have personal failings and still say, okay, this particular speech they did or this particular book they did, uh, is there really valuable lessons for me in that, right? And I think that's what we all should do if we want to become enlightened. 
Um, but Og was just, and again, I didn't know him that well. I mean, I wasn't married to him. I didn't live with him. He wasn't my landlord. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. But I, I came into contact with him enough to say, wow, th this is a really good human being. It's nice to be able to at least see the good uh, in things. You remind, reminded me of a story of a um, college class where it was the end of the year professor basically handed out an evaluation um, survey and had everybody write down, you know, what did you like about the class? What did you not like about the class? And what do you think absolutely needs to be changed about the class? And, and I want you to be brutally honest. I want you to tell me what you hated about the class, blah, blah, blah. I went through that whole thing. And they all wrote down what, you know, all right, you're letting us have at it. So he, they did. And, and he looked up and he goes, okay, now below all of that, I want you to write, what is it about you that you actually think that what I'm offering to you is of no value? What is your issue that you did not get what was taught in this class? <laughs> Love you, want it. Talk about, you want to talk about a lot of surveys that got tossed out the window. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of times people forget that, you know, Life was never meant to be perfect. I, you actually kind of went into this too in one of your in one of your blogs. Um, life is not perfect, and it's not fair. It's never been fair. Um, my one of my good friends, in fact, he happens to be sitting here, um, was a part of uh, um, a group of people that uh, have a motto called "Embrace the Suck," mm -hmm. um, and and it's it's one of those deals where you know the training that they went through was it's utterly horrendous if you if you were to be a normal human going through it <clears throat> i would never recommend it it is really reserved for a special group of people um but the idea of it is that no life isn't fair and it does suck um, but you have two ways to look at it you can either embrace it and move through it or you can sit down and complain about it and for some weird reason society has chosen the latter uh and and I'm glad there's people like you out there and, and folks like him out there that are out there trying to change that perspective. I, I think people have kind of lost sight of what being human is, if that makes sense. Well, I think it goes back to the, that uh, dichotomy, that, that decision I mentioned earlier. We all get there at some point or another. Do I want to be a victim? Do I want to be a victor? And unfortunately, what the, the thing, and I, you know, I, I, I do deal with this pretty brutally in the new book, which is people forget the emotional payoff that they can be receiving from being a victim. And that's why people sometimes stay in abusive relationships or replace one abusive relationship with another. The next one, yeah. The next yeah. One, and why they trade in one addiction for the next addiction. Um, I know because I did all that stuff, right? So that's, you know, I can, you know, the I'm the world's preeminent authority on self-sabotage behavior because <laughs> I did it for 30 years, the first 30 years of my life. And I recognize, oh, okay, I, I'm getting, like in my case, the reason for all the negative dysfunctional relationships was because I had such low self-esteem. I hated myself. And if you hate yourself, you can't allow anyone else to love you. You've got to sabotage that relationship. So whatever you have to do, you will find a way. So you're going to become a workaholic and avoid them. You're going to become abusive. You're going to become an addict. You'll do something to destroy that relationship because you have this subconscious programming 
that says, I am worthless. I am so undeserving, so unworthy. This is such a good person and they just want to give me love. And none of this is on a conscious level. It's all on a subconscious level, right? Right, right. This to me, I think, I, I did a, a, a live stream about prosperity last Saturday. And this, what I think the missing element people don't recognize is the huge role that self-esteem plays in prosperity. Because there's this tipping point at 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. You're going to college or you've you know, decided not to go to college and you've entered the workforce and you have a vision for your life. You've now entered, quote, adulthood. Yeah. If you get to that tipping point and you have low self-esteem yeah, and you think you're unworthy, what does it mean? It means you expect bad things to happen. Yep. You're not going to set high goals. You're not going to set bold, daring, audacious, imaginative goals. You're not going to try to do great things. Right. You're going to say, well, keep my head under the cubicle, get by, make it through till Friday when I can get a 12-pack of Budweiser and binge. <laughs> you know, binge on Netflix all weekend, right? right? And that's where, or if you're 19 years old and you have a healthy self-esteem, you're comfortable in your own skin, you expect good things to happen, you have this positive vision for yourself. And so when you have a positive vision for yourself, you take daily actions, you know, you set, you, you will actually take daily actions to manifest that positive vision because you, you believe that it can happen. Whereas if you don't believe that's going to happen, you say, well, I could go to work and not get fired today, or I could smoke crack. And if you yeah. think, you know, I'm fired anyway, and I didn't like that job, and my boss hates me, and it's not fair, and you can't fight the man, and the system is against me anyway, let me just do the instant gratification right now. And you, you know, make those... That is so concerning that it seems like, and of course, it, we, we see this rampant in the younger generations, that that seems to be the personal relationship they have with themselves. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where does this come from? Who's, who's causing this low self-esteem? Well, you will love my new book. Exactly where it comes from. Chapter and verse, I will take you through. What I did in the book is I broke your life down into six main areas, uh -huh. like money, success, God, religion, marriage, relationships, health, wellness, stuff like that. And then I looked at how you get programmed. We talk about philosophy in areas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that comes from limiting beliefs from mind viruses that you get programmed with. <laughs> I like that so one. I got to remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a deep dive in the book. Deep okay. dive, okay? <clears throat> the concept of memetics or memes, right? So if you say a meme today, someone thinks, oh, that's a slide on Instagram. No, they, they kind of hijacked the, the term. Yeah. The, the term meme was developed by Dr. Richard Dawkins in his book, The Selfish Gene. And a meme is a mind virus. Okay. And a meme has the ability to parasitize the host and cause you to replicate the virus. Mm. So 
you're raising your kids, they're watching Baby Shark. You got the Baby Shark theme in your ear. Now it's an earworm. You get in the elevator, you hum the Baby Shark theme. You just infected the other three people in the elevator. <clears throat> That's a mind virus. That's how it happens. Got it. So common mind viruses, like if we take money, what are the common mind viruses? Money is bad. Rich people are evil. It's noble or spiritual to be poor. To be successful, you got to be a bad parent. If you're an entrepreneur, to be successful, you got to pillage and plunder the environment and um, take advantage of uh, people and lie to your oh, shareholders. I, I and, still come to, I come across that one all the time. That's those are those are the most prevalent mind viruses in yeah. the world, right? Yeah. So. You, what I'm showing you in the book is, okay, here in every one of these six areas, I'm going to show you the books, the TV shows, the movies, the blogs, the podcasts, the operas, the plays, the websites that have programmed you with these particular mind viruses. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I will take you, you whatever generation you are, I'll show you the common memes in the Beverly Hillbillies and Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go forward to Dallas and Dynasty. And then we'll go forward to Doogie Hauser MD. <laughs> and then we'll go forward and I'll take you right up to Game of Thrones and Succession on HBO and Billions on Showtime. The, the, the movies, the shows, the books that are out right now, I'll take you through the whole process and you realize, Holy, you know what? This is the same meme that was in a Puccini opera 400 years ago, and it's on billions on Sunday night right now. Wow. Well, here's a meme that was from 2,000 years ago, Joseph Campbell mythology, the hero's journey, and here it is today on Batman and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and Doom. And I'll, so I lay it out chapter and verse. So believe me, you're going to, you're going to hallucinate when you read that book because you're going <laughs> to say, oh my God, this is how it happens. This is because, and you never have a chance. If you don't, if you don't become cognizant of that, you have, because we all say, you know, if, if I leave here right now and I go out to the bus stop here in Miami beach mm. and I talk to the next hundred people and I say, would you like to be healthy, happy, wealthy? 100 out of 100 is going to tell me yes but that's in their conscious mind but in their subconscious mind they still believe that money is evil and you know rich people are evil or money is bad and so they may be consciously taking the bus to go to work and scrub toilets to make money because they want to become wealthy but on a subconscious level they don't want to be wealthy nope. they're afraid to be wealthy and the subconscious mind always wins that fight yeah it's interesting i i remember uh sitting in a in a sales training class and the uh the person that was leading it was the former vp of a very large car dealership i wasn't learning how to sell cars it was completely different he would just happen to be there uh teaching and he he says i have a question for everybody who wants to be a millionaire raise your hand and everybody of course everybody raises their hand he goes okay cool so how many of you really want to be a millionaire and about 70% of the room's hands dropped because they were confused. They all of a sudden, it was like, what do you mean? Do I really want to be a millionaire? 
says, yeah, do you want to have to go through all the struggles and all the challenges that you're going to have to deal with? Do you want to have to deal with all of the, the lawsuits that you're probably going to end up having to go to? Do you want to have to deal with all of the, the emotional problems that you're going to end up doing? Because you're going to screw up. Now, see, I would look at that and say, oh, my God, see, this guy has been parasitized and he is a, himself. He thinks he's teaching them and encouraging them to be a millionaire, but he's actually reinforcing the programming with all of that negative stuff he just projected. All those emotional issues you're going to have to go through, all the lawsuits you're going to have to go through. He's infected with limiting beliefs and he doesn't even realize it. And he was projecting it on these people, thinking that he was giving them a positive message. Yeah, he, he did turn it around afterwards. The, the idea of it was to shock everybody into understanding that hard work isn't just hard work. There's a lot that comes with it, but it's doable, very much so doable. It, he spoke more, I think, on resilience and being able to overcome and being able to stay in the game longer. But it has to be a conscious on top of some conscious decision. That's really where he went after. Um, right, but yeah, you're right. The, the, I, would the still, I would still push back against him to say, okay, you're, you, let's not affirm that. Because right. there are times when you – because how is prosperity created? We create prosperity by two things. We solve problems or we add value. And sometimes, hopefully, we do both. So when you come up with the really right thing on how to solve problems and add value – that's the thing that takes off and that becomes a viral sensation. Agreed. Does, right. And you don't have to have the lawsuits and you don't have to. No, have, actually you, know, you do. Sometimes right. you do. And it's good that he's preparing people that, Hey, if you know, and I would say the same, you know, when you make a determination to become world-class at anything, the universe is probably going to say, well, let's just check if she's really serious about this or if this is just talk right? yeah because there's a lot of tourists and tire kickers out there and i think the universal the energy in the universe probably says well let's just sort through and make sure she's really serious about writing an opera or taking her company yep. public Yep. Or becoming a billionaire, whatever the case or, may be. Or getting that nonprofit started or serving yeah. on it. Yeah, getting all that. Totally. And and I think, I think, well, obviously you've laid this out in the book, so we can deal with that more in a little bit. But I see a lot of what you just described, um, the victim versus victor mentality, a lot more of the victim. And I, I think it's possibly because there's just less resistance on the victim side? They're if programmed with it. They're programmed with it since, believe me, what you're going to see in the book is all of these areas, your, your core foundational belief in every one of those areas was programmed into you before you were 10 years old. Heard that. Okay? I've if heard that before. If your dad cheated on your mother, if your mother was abusive to your father, if your parents fought all the time, yeah. you have a core foundational belief about marriage and relationships by yep. the time you were six. Yep. Yeah. That's, if I've heard you that. you were going to Sunday school and the cataclysm and catechism or whatever that's called, and the, the nuns were wrapping your knuckles with a ruler and telling you you were born a sorry sinner yep. and you need to beg for forgiveness and prostrate yourself before your creator. And then if you're really good here, you're going to get the, the, the good stuff in the afterlife. 
your core beliefs about God and religion were at seven years old. Yeah. And yep. so some of you listening right now are saying, well, okay, Gage, but you're not seriously suggesting that I got divorced at 33 because of something I learned at seven. And I'm saying, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. You're saying, and you may be thinking you guys listening. Okay. You're not saying that I self-sabotage myself and, and, and torpedoed that promotion at work at 40 years old because of some belief I developed at eight years old. And I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because unless you mindfully look in each of those six areas and say, okay, what is my actual core belief about this? And how did I get it? Does that belief serve me? And do I really want to keep that belief? Until you do that, you know, the, the, the smartest thing Freud ever said for my money was, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but until you make the subconscious conscious, you will call it luck or yeah. destiny, right? <clears throat> or but it's, yeah. it's not. It's your unconscious acting out the script that it's been programmed with. It's funny that the unconscious can't tell what's a lie and what's real. And when people finally go down that, go down that path and actually do that, that all of a sudden a lie can become the truth. Or they find out that most of what they had in the back there was a lie. Right. How does how do people dig into that though? I mean, how do they how do they actually? I mean, you've obviously been through the process too. This has obviously got to be inspiring as well. I mean, how do you get people to to take that realization? I mean, it, it's obviously not just reading a book. Um, the book can help. Uh, I think it is it. just reading a book. I think it's if it's the right book. If it's a book that says, you know, like if I take uh, health and wellness, right? Yeah, it's one of the six areas. Okay. So in the book, I say, okay, let's go in your kitchen right now. What's in the freezer? What's in the pantry? Do you have breakfast cereal that is got an expiration date four years from now? Hope <laughs> you believe that that's food. You've got frozen cheese in your freezer and you believe that's food. You have canned goods in your cupboard that are that have an expiration date for 2024. And you believe that's healthy nutrition to feed your body. That's a core foundational belief, right? Does that belief really serve you? Or would a belief that said, you know what? Food should be fruits and vegetables and nuts. Living food with enzymes that allow my body to produce energy. You can't deny that if I get in your face and tell you that. And then if I say, do you have a core foundational belief that you get an extra five pounds in your 20s and then another five pounds in your 30s and five more in your 40s? And that's just the way it is that for every decade you get older, you pick up another five, six pounds. And that's normal. Do you have that belief, right? Thankfully, no, I don't. Do you, do you, have, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd be a mess right now because at, at, when I was in my twenties, I was already 225. That would not be good for me at 49. <laughs> <laughs> right. But until you confront that and think about that and change that, right. It doesn't change. Right. You know, do you believe that it's normal for a person to be taking 
prescription drugs a day. Oh, geez. Right? And yet there's what? 80 million Americans who believe that's normal, right? That so should never have been normal. When you read the right book and you, and somebody really loves you enough and cares about you enough to get in your face and tell you the truth and call you out on your stuff, then I think the book can make the difference because I believe for those kind of things, once you get the awareness is 80% of the fight. Absolutely. So you could still, you could say, okay, I love frosted flakes, <laughs> but damn, I'm just, I'm looking at that box like Gage told me and it expires in 2024. <laughs> so maybe instead of eating frosted flakes every morning, maybe I'll just treat myself to a little treat day on Sunday and I'll eat my Frosted Flakes or my Fruit Loops or my Captain Crunch. And yeah. maybe the other days of the week, I'm going to start with the fresh fruit smoothie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, when you get that kind of awareness, again, people think you create your future or you create your destiny. I would say, no, you create your vision your vision creates your daily habits and then you your go. daily habits create your future. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, that's the whole part of why some people do affirmations. Yeah. Keeping visions and stuff. Yeah. It's programming um, your subconscious mind. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, we're going to take another 30 quick 30 second break. We'll be back and we're going to talk with Randy about what he's up to, what he's going to be doing besides the book. Because we've definitely been talking about that. Um, and, and again, we'll have the link for the book down below too. Uh, but we'll be back about 30 seconds. And we're back. Last section for Java Chat. Sitting here with Randy Gage talking about, uh, man, we're talking about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> a lot of it reflected in his book. A lot of things that he's working on uh, as far as he's, uh, his practice is speaking and, and teaching people. This is the part where we talk about where Randy's headed next. So what are you up to these days? I mean, obviously you're about to release the book. Um, are you still speaking? Where, you know, and how, how does, how's that all working out? Well, um, the, in the book, I talk about this rebirth, right? So I'm on my, I don't know, seventh or eighth rebirth. Or nice, nice. Or my, or my fourth midlife crisis, depending <laughs> on if you're talking to my friends. <laughs> awesome. So... And I am about, I have just entered the newest journey chapter of my life. Uh, I just looked at, okay, I, I'm, you know, because I want my work to be available to everybody, even sure. people who can't afford what I charge for a keynote fee or my, you know, $10,000 coaching program and mm -hmm. my high end stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I decided to start a spiritual ministry. Nice. And I'm going to do a prosperity celebration service every weekend. And nice. I chose Saturday as the day. And last Saturday was the first one. This is not a church. It's not a religion. It's not even a nonprofit. I'm, it's a for-profit, I know my company's called Prosperity Factory, Inc., because mm -hmm. I believe prosperity, if you take the right ingredients and follow the right process, you can manufacture it. Awesome. So I'm going to teach this uh, uh, course every Saturday 
on a love offering basis for the people who get the value from it and they can afford it and they want to support my work, they can contribute. Every week they can say, all right, here's this much or I'm gonna give this much every month, however they wanna do it. And the people who say, I, I, don't, I can't even afford a dollar. I need that for, for great, just watch for free and pay it forward somehow. So this way, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to, the next one will be, uh, a, a, I'm experimenting with the time, but I think it's going to be 10 a.m. every Saturday. And it's the, the Prosperity Unchurch. And I'm Prosperity just going to teach cool. principles of prosperity, free enterprise, and generosity. And I'm live streaming it. Uh, you know, I sent out a Zoom link every week for it. And I'll probably also co-broadcast it on either my Facebook page or my YouTube channel or something. Cool. Um, and then we'll have the replay available. And so that my podcast will have the audio replay every Monday. And my YouTube channel will have the video replay every Monday. And that will, and I'm going to focus on that because I can't keep writing five blog posts and do three podcasts and all of this stuff that I've been doing for free for all these years. It's like, okay, at some point, it, you know, I need to clean this up and, and take my life back. So I'm going to concentrate on doing this teaching every Saturday. And then for the people who want to support my work, they can. And for the people who can't afford, it's there for them too. Awesome. So that's what I'm really I'm lit about that. That's that. really uh, going to be a lot, a lot of fun. I would, I would agree. Um, definitely going to need that link to be able to share with others. Obviously, we we definitely want to post that up. Well, uh, that's going to be different every week because it's always going to be a Zoom meeting to start. So, but if you you know follow me on Twitter uh, or just go to my website and get the blog, you know, get the RSS feed on the blog or sign up for my email newsletter. Okay. Uh, gauge on prosperity and then you'll know every week you'll get the link that's perfect that's awesome yeah as i'm sure there's a lot of people that could gain a ton of value out of that absolutely um what would be this is usually one of the last questions that i ask what would be one of the best pieces of advice you can give to people that are dealing with the angst of everything that's going on right now um because obviously Obviously, it's not one, one thing that's antagonizing at this point. There's a lot. Um, but what would you say to somebody like that who's, who's just not, not necessarily despairing, but they're certainly uncertain? Right. I maintain we still live in the greatest time in human history. You can publish your own book. You can start your own podcast. You can create your own television network. You can create your own you can direct your own movie. This, uh, you know, the camera in your iPhone 15 years ago would have sold for $350,000 for yeah. an HD camera. Yep. Right? Uh, the, no, and even horrific times like, listen, I had two close friends who died with COVID-19. I had it myself. I was one of those long haulers, had a horrific case. So I get it. It sucks. I, I'm not denying that. There is absolutely obstacles and challenges and difficulties in the world. And every one of those offer a corresponding opportunity 
right? If, you know, it, it added, you know, $40 billion to Bezos net worth at Amazon, right? Yeah. Uh, if you own Zoom or Shopify or Square or Stripe or any of these companies Man. that have technologies, that <clears throat> this pandemic has been amazing for them. Oh, yeah. They're like printing their own money, right? Exactly. And um, <clears throat> so you may need to modify, you may need to change your approach, but those opportunities are there. And the, the thing I want people to know most is you can't be treated for prosperity. There's no drug for it. There's no medical treatment for it. You, can, you, you have to be open to receive it. And every single day when you wake up, the universe asks you a question. And the question it's asking is, how much prosperity can you stand today? And it's all about how you answer that question. So uh, choose to, you know, my, I'm, I'm beseeching you, please accept your abundance because it is out there. That's awesome. That's good. Cool. Um, Obviously, you're on social, so I, I know you're on LinkedIn. You just mentioned Twitter. You're on Facebook. You got a page. Um, is there uh, – well, all the links for you guys, all the links will be down there in the comments. You guys know yeah. how to – You know, randygage.com is kind of Starfleet Command. Everything is available have, on there. And, and the been, place I'm going to – I connect most. If you say, I want to talk to this guy, I want to ask him a question, the best place to actually connect with me is going to be the blog at randygage.com or on Twitter. So I've been on the blog. Randy does engage there. I've been through the comment section. He don't hold back, which is absolutely awesome. Cause I'm, I've been on a lot of blogs and there's like no response. It's, mm -hmm. it's Randy's very active there guys. Uh, Twitter as well, check him out. Uh, all of the links will be down there in the comments. Make sure you guys subscribe to that newsletter so you can get in on that, that uh, Prosperity Unchurch, which is pretty interesting. I know I'm gonna have to come and take a listen here once in a while for sure. Um, Randy, thank you. Uh, it's 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 been an experience, and I'd like to have you back sometime to chat a little bit more because some of the other blog posts that I saw get real deep into some real cool stuff that we could probably unpack for some people if you're down. All right, we'll look at that. Okay, that's awesome. Um, Y'all know how we like to wrap it up. We thank every one of you. We love every one of you for stopping by, watching, listening. If you're watching on YouTube. The subscribe button is right there and the little bell next to it. Make sure you click that so you know when we bring another amazing guest just like this. If you're listening on any of the platforms, we're on about 12 of them now. Uh, download it, subscribe, feel free. If you're on our home, our, our home page on, I didn't have enough coffee this morning. Our home page <laughs> on anchor.fm. Um, you can support us there. Every little bit does, uh, does help. Um, and again, you know, we bring these people on because they have perspectives that are challenging but enlightening um, and they're meant to help you hopefully vi one of you you'll vibe with one of them and, and they'll get you to see what it is that they're trying to get people to see in general life is not bad life is wonderful it's plentiful it's, it's prosperous you just got to be open to it so stay up stay safe stay healthy and live for Randy Gage and myself, Coffee with Mike. Ciao for now.
For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.